So I hear we have some children with us. So I wanna say hello to the kids who are out there. Um, I'm sorry that I don't have a full message prepared for you, but I was thinking about this passage and this idea that God wants to give things to us. And I wonder if you can take just a moment to think of something that someone has given you in the last week or two. Just if there is something that you can remember someone giving to you. And then if you have that in mind, see if you can remember a time when you have given something to someone else. And then once you have those two things in mind, you have an understanding of what Jesus means by the kingdom of God. That there is a giving and a receiving. We get to serve and we get to be served. So with that in mind, will you pray with me? God, we come to you with all our desires this morning, all those things that we really want to have. And we ask you to give us those things that are good for us, those things that really are right for us. We also ask you to enable us to give to others. Show us where there's a chance to be kind to someone, to give someone a smile, to pat someone on the back, to act as your love here on this planet. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, who loves us more than we can imagine. Amen. Thank you. So that brings us to the sermon. So I wanna say welcome again. My name is Nicola. I bring you greetings from First Congregational Church of Oakland, which is my home church. And it's just a pleasure and a joy to be here with you all this morning. The title of this sermon is God's Recession-Proof Economy. God's Recession-Proof Economy. Will you pray with me? God, we come to you this morning with open hearts and open hands. We long to hear from you. Please take this time and speak to each one of us exactly the word that you have for us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Don't you love it? when he says stuff like that, because there's no reason to say it, you know, unless there's something to be afraid of. But in this case, I think we know what there is to be afraid of. Jesus says, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. If we had known, but at this point, we know the break-in has already occurred, right? 
If you have a retirement account and have been watching the balance, you know the thief has already entered the house. The gas pump and the pin pad at the pharmacy bear the thief's fingerprints. The invisible hand of the market has reached into our collective pockets and stolen not only our financial security, but our sense of a foreseeable future. Dressed all in fossil fuels, it has broken through our weather patterns, entered our house, trailing wildfire smoke through our air and oil pipelines through our water. Through the kicked open door, nearly 200 irreplaceable species are taken every day. The thief has already entered the house. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. He goes on to say that there is a place where no thief can break in, not a safe, not a low interest but secure savings account, not even a well-furnished bunker surrounded by private firefighters, but some place called heaven. Now we are conditioned at this point to think that heaven refers to some other place where you go when you die. But that is not exactly what heaven means in the biblical context. Heaven, or the kingdom of God, refers to another realm, a reality that exists alongside this one and that operates by different principles and that is sometimes in certain limited ways accessible to us even though we live most of our lives in this realm over here. That's why Jesus goes around saying things like the kingdom is at hand or within you, or you are not far from the kingdom. So when Jesus tells listeners to sell their possessions and give to the poor, he is not just suggesting that we do some good deeds in the hope that we can store up enough good points to get into heaven when we die the good place aside. It's not transactional like that in the kingdom. Instead, I think Jesus is suggesting that giving our money away is a way for us to access the kingdom of God right now. He's pointing us toward an entirely different economy, a recession-proof, inflation-resistant economy. He says, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Jesus is suggesting that there is another economy existing parallel to this one, an economy that operates according to different principles. In God's economy, there is abundance. And in fact, Jesus says, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give it the whole kingdom, so that's the first thing I want us to really get this morning. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants it for us. That means whatever it is that you are really longing for this morning, God wants to give that to you. The thing itself, the deepest longing, not the particular strategy you fixated on to get it, so that feeling of being deeply loved and respected, God wants you to have that. Maybe not from that person you've been trying to extract it from all these years, but from somewhere. To be surrounded by beauty, 
It's God's good pleasure to give you that. Maybe you can't jet off to Bali tomorrow, but you can have beauty or pleasure or deep rest or whatever it is that Bali represents to you. It is God's good pleasure to give that to you. In fact, God is already giving to all of us all the time. When is the last time you noticed that the trees spend their whole lives producing oxygen for you to breathe? How often do you thank the microorganisms in your gut biome for enabling you to digest your food? The love that we long for is already flowing to us through these mechanisms that we mostly don't notice. I think that's why the comedy of errors is such a common trope in movies. You know, those stories where the main characters are busy pursuing other usually terrible people while their true soulmates are right there in each other. We so often fail to notice the love and bounty that are already here. But this is a little simplistic, isn't it? I mean, my social justice brain wants to kick in here and say, yeah, sure, maybe this is true for middle-class people. But what about those who are working multiple minimum wage jobs and still not able to make ends meet? Those for whom the fantasy is not a vacation in Bali, but money for infant formula and the time to hold their baby while they feed them. How, Ms. Pollyanna Preacher, is God giving them the kingdom? It's a crucial question. I'm so glad you asked. And it brings us to the parable at the center of this week's scripture, where Jesus addresses the least powerful economic actors in his own economy, the slaves. Blessed are those slaves that the master finds alert when he comes, whether it's at midnight or 3 a.m. or 6 a.m. Are your hackles up yet? So you get to go off to a big party where you no doubt are being feted lavishly, and then you wanna come home whenever you feel like it and have someone waiting to fit you with slippers? But wait, there's a plot twist, right? What does the master do upon returning home? It says he fastens his belt. In other words, he pulls up his long robe and he tucks it into his belt, which is what you do when you're getting ready to serve. And he serves the slaves their own banquet. What low-wage worker wouldn't want a boss like that? What would that even be like to be served by those who are expecting, who we are expecting to serve? See, some of us are raised to believe that we are servers and others of us are raised to be served. And this parable flips the script. It's not that the master never gets served, He's coming from a banquet, after all. It's that he uses the fuel from that banquet to serve those who, by the world's rules, would be expected to serve him. There's a flow of energy and resources that happens here. This is God's alternative economy, God's recession-proof economy. See, in this world, we are embroiled in an economy that requires the exploitation of some groups of people for the profit of other groups. Well, mostly it requires the exploitation of most of us for the profit of a very few, right? Sometimes called the 1%. But God's economy is different. 
In God's economy, if we opt into it, we are all engaged in a dance of serving and being served. Did you notice Jesus tells his listeners to be dressed for action, have your lamps lit, be ready to serve, and then you will be served in return. So where do we sign up? How do we get there? Well, Jesus just told us, right? Sell your possessions, give the money to the poor. Seriously, Jesus? Won't I just then become a burden to society because suddenly I'm in need? No one wants to be a burden. To which I can hear Jesus replying in the tenderest tone, who told you you were a burden? Who told you you were a burden? Who told you you don't deserve to have your needs met? That meeting your needs was a burden? Who told you you didn't deserve to have the kingdom? Friends, you deserve to be served. Say it to yourself now. I deserve to be served. Now I'm going to do that cheesy church thing. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them like you mean it. You deserve to be served. Good. Now turn it to your other neighbor and tell them you deserve to be served. Now let's live into that. It's so hard to believe that we are deserving for so many of us. And I believe that keeps us from giving to each other as much as we could, because we don't want to have to ask for help in return. Asking for help is one of the most vulnerable things in this culture that we can do. From our standpoint in this economy, it feels shameful to need help. But we're opting into God's economy, the place where no thief can enter or moth destroy. In God's economy, we serve and are served. Sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, put yourself in need, and then ask for what you need. This is God's recession-proof economy. I want to tell you a personal story about how this has played out in my life. Fifteen years ago, I was pretty much drowning in credit card debt. I knew I was called to serve God in a more intentional way, but I couldn't stop working my other jobs because I could just barely make the minimum payments on those cards. One day I was in a group, an intimate group that included people from my church. And we had a very honest, like stripped down conversation about our finances. And I told them this. And one of the couples in that group later that day offered to loan me the full amount to pay off my credit cards, more than $30,000. It was paid off that day. They allowed me to pay them back slowly at almost no interest. And today I am completely out of debt. And that's why I'm able to be up here right now. But there's more. The same couple helped a number of other people in our community in that same way. Some of us have been able to pay them back, some haven't. In the meantime, one member of that couple has become substantially disabled and incurred, incurred a lot of healthcare expenses, and now they are short on money, 
having invested all of theirs in our community. In a couple weeks, I'm going to receive a small inheritance from the sale of my father's house. Guess who I will be visiting first to offer them help? God's economy, recession proof. Friends, debt-based capitalism, the economic system in which we've been living for the last couple of centuries is coming to its end. In order to sustain itself, the global economy has to increase by 3% every year. That's what the economists say. That means it has to double every 20 years. And according to the economists I trust, that can't happen again. We can't have twice the number of iPhones. There simply is not enough cobalt in the earth to produce them. We have already surpassed too many of the planet's thresholds. The global economic system is going to collapse. We don't know when, but it is going to collapse. In the wake of that, many of the structures on which we rely are going to fail. And I think we are already seeing the beginning of that. The thief is already in the house. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. There is another economy that will not fail. And all you have to do is give it your all. Don't be afraid. God is coming to include us in the feast. I'll close with these words from Sonia Renee Taylor. She wrote these during the first weeks of COVID quarantine, but I think they're just as appropriate for this time of economic turmoil and environmental collapse. She says, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal, other than we, that we normalized greed, inequality, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. So dream, use this time to dream. And if we are going to heal, let it be glorious. All the love and beauty we could ask for, God's economy, let it be glorious. Let it be glorious. Amen.